You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Looking for the tie. I, you know, I've only been part of a couple that are tougher than that. As a coach, you try to stay calm on the sideline and do your job. That was tough today because of the emotion. You know, after the sluggish start at the beginning of the third quarter, I think our offense kicked it into gear a couple times when we needed them to. We didn't play well at the same time offensively and defensively in the second half. This is, is one of the hardest losses I've been a part of. You got to make things happen. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for anything, and that's on me. When the snap was freaking five thousand feet over my head I don't care I, there's no excuses you know and that, I think that's an important thing for this team to know and and uh, a lesson to myself you know regardless of where the snap is who, who gives a shit? I got to be able to make the play you can't let a loss beat you twice so you, you've got to be able to watch the film learn from the film on, on Sunday or Monday and then move on and I think those guys did they had a great practice on Monday they had a great practice today so you know I don't really want to be talking about it today I have to unfortunately but I want those guys focus on the next one we got to move on and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus, guys, as the wine and roses are no longer being served and the football season is here for the Nebraska football team as uh, the Huskers off a loss at Colorado in overtime 34-31, as we know, had a 17-0 lead. 30,000 Nebraska fans in Boulder, if not more. Um, it was set up to be a banner day for Nebraska football, a day where – the fan base would have been talked about nationally for taking over an opposing stadium, that Scott Frost's program was on their way, possibly to a 4-0 start, and boom, the, the bottom fell out. They lose the game, and you, you can't help the Nebraska fan base to have this mentality, guys, but it's kind of the here we go again. Our heart's been broken again, and Scott Frost now faces the tough task of this next few weeks of regaining that trust back from the Husker fan base that – no, no, no. This is going to work. This is not the past. We've got this thing going in the right direction. Yeah, and that's going to be tough to do until the results on the field actually back that up. Um, Nebraska's fans have been going on two decades now of hearing all the right words and hearing all the talk about how things are going to get better. They're so close. Uh, they're making progress. You know, uh, uh, step by step. You know, tr- believe believe in what we're doing. And then having absolutely nothing to show for it. And, you know, right now, after you know, a very short sample size, um, you know, Scott Frost and his staff have left a lot to be desired, and especially in a situation like that where this game meant so much. You know, there was just a lot of emotion in that game. I mean, obviously, Nebraska fans did their part and then some uh, with the way they traveled to Boulder and supported the team by taking over Folsom Field. And then for Nebraska, not only to lose, but to lose in the manner in which they did, where they controlled the game for essentially a full three quarters, and then it completely fell out from under them. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot for Nebraska fans to be angry about, and they are angry. We see it on our message board. We see it on social media. We, we see it everywhere to where, you know, fans are, are tired of hearing about, you know, next year and, you know, we're, we're getting better. They want to be good now, and they want to compete now, and they want to win games like Saturday now. Well, they knew they had better players, at least in their opinion. They knew that they had that game control, and that's what's fr- – this wasn't – an Ohio State full of four and five stars, Nate. This this was a team that that won five games last year. If you took their top fifty and Nebraska's top fifty, I think Nebraska had a better top fifty guys on that football field. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I mean everything was just set up for this to be like the perfect the perfect game, the perfect road win. I mean, with all the fans that were there and 
the way that the first half started off. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody who at halftime was sitting there going, oh, boy, like we're 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 in for it or, you know, I, I think everyone was extremely confident. Maybe in the back of their head they knew, well, we better come out and, and play well in the second half or, and we better see them do this and that. But I, I think everyone was extremely confident that they're going to come out in the second half and, and they were going to continue to play well. And, um, <clears throat> you know, for whatever reason, I, I think there's a multitude of reasons why that didn't happen. It, it didn't. And, um, you know, Nebraska fans' hearts were <laughs> ripped out of their, their chest one more time. And I think this one hurt a little bit more than, than some of the other close games in the past, but just because it was Colorado and because they they had taken so much pride in taking over Boulder and everything. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, one of, the, one of the concerning things about it is just, you know, can this team finish? Um, I only think what – or the last seven games that have been decided by by a touchdown or less, Nebraska has only won one of them, and that was Michigan State last year. And so, I mean, there's been a lot of close games, and and you know, can this team learn how to finally finish is is a big question. And guys, we had our chat this week on Tuesday on Husker Online, and, and I think it was one of the harder chats we've had to do in a long time, just because the nature of the questions are so hard to answer. I mean, everyone wants to know, have you changed your season prediction? And my answer to that is. I still need at least two more games to kind of fully evaluate this team. I'm not going to base the whole 12 games off the first two um, because last year um, you easily could have done that and, and not really knowing how they would have played down the final six. So there's a lot of season left. There are definitely concerns, big concerns through two games, um, but this is still a team that's going to compete and they have a great home schedule to get some nice wins. Um, but yeah, this week, the questions that we were asked about kind of the longevity of the season and what direction it's going, there really isn't a, a solid answer you can give right now. No, there's really not very many solid answers to anything right now. People are asking what's going on with the running game? Why, what's wrong with Adrian? Why aren't the receivers getting open? Uh, why is the defense collapsing late in games? I mean, I don't know. I don't think the coaches know. I mean, this has kind of been a, a question that everyone has been asking all week that, um, you know, right now, uh, I don't think there are any concrete answers as to, well, we do this and then everything is fixed. I think this is something that is just going to only be corrected. Something just needs to click. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not going to just like pop on the lights and then, oh, yeah, we're, we're good now. I mean, this is going to be something where uh, it, it needs to actually happen in games. I think they're doing OK in practice by all accounts. Uh, but until it starts translating on the field on game day and you kind of get that that uh, uh, not that confirmation that, uh, you know, you are good and you are getting better and this thing is going to work, um, then it's, it's just not going to happen. So until they string together a few wins and start building momentum and confidence, um, you know, and like chicken and their egg. I mean, do they need to play better to get that confidence or need that confidence to play better? Um, either way, uh, they're kind of a far ways off right now of becoming the type of thing, team that we thought they were going to be going into the year. Uh, I look and see some positives from week one to week two. Uh, but for me, it's, it's these next two weeks, Northern Illinois and on the road at Illinois, where, uh, you know, that's to me, I, I feel like the season may be defined by these two games. The two games, theoretically, that Nebraska should win and, and uh, you know, probably win 
you know, not easy, but should they should have no problem winning these games. So do they go out and take care of business and, and win the games that they're supposed to win? Or do they continue to kind of struggle and flounder along and, and have these mistakes and, and whatever? Um, you know, I, I think that the way these next two weeks play out uh, very well may be, kind of tell the tale of, of the season. All right, guys, we got a Northern Illinois game, uh, Northern Illinois game coming up Saturday, 7 o'clock on FS1. Um, we're going to delve into that, talk more offensive storylines, including what the hell's going on at kicker. We're going to give our thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen this before. I mean, we, we go through plans of how many reps are going to take on a week-to-week basis, how many reps are going to take on a daily basis. We make sure they get warmed up beforehand. I mean, we do everything, anything possible. It's like a quarter, like a pitcher's arm. They have a, they have a kicking count, yeah. and we don't exceed it. We've never exceeded it. It's just one of those situations where you almost feel snake bit to a certain degree. You know, when it rains, it pours sometimes. It is what it is, and we just you know, push on through it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. That was Nebraska special teams co- coordinator and outside linebackers coach Jovan DeWitt just trying to make light of the current kicker situation. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into any of those Tanner's locations. Uh, you can catch the Husker game at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. All the NFL action um, on Sunday and Monday as well. It's any one of those five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. That's Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, but, guys, you heard DeWitt there, and, I mean, he he's lost for words. And this, this is a huge deal. You, you think about how many close games Nebraska is going to have, how many drives when they start playing elite-level Big Ten defenses where they maybe get inside the 30-yard line, but they don't score a touchdown, and you have to get points. Well, today, right now, they don't have a guaranteed kicking option uh, to score those points because we don't know when Barrett Pickering's going to come back. Dylan Jorgensen's out, and their punter, Isaac Armstrong, is currently the starting kicker. Yeah, and so Isaac has done okay given the situation. And he said uh, earlier this week that it wasn't until Thursday before the Colorado game that he knew he was going to be the starter. So he wasn't even working like full time as the number one kicker. Did nothing, did nothing until Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they always do like kicks, but like not like serious on I'm preparing to be the starting field goal kicker for a game on the road. Uh, and so, I mean, he kind of went into that Colorado game about as green as you possibly could be. And he made all his extra points. He hit one from 26 yards. And so I think that, you know, they can get by. But the issue is, Sean, like you pointed to, there's going to be points where they need to do more than just get by. There are going to be games that come down to special teams, particularly the ability to make a clutch field goal late in games or um, at at a critical juncture that right now you don't have much of any trust in that happening right now because your starting kicker is a punter who has two field goal attempts in his career and one of them was a badly missed game that cost you a chance to go into a second overtime so i mean they're they're in a bad spot right now they had an open walkout or an open tryout on campus to uh, see if there's anybody else that they could bring in to possibly compete for the job and they got one guy that's pretty close to being added to the roster right now yeah and then Lane trevor Re- yanovich trevor yanovich <clears throat> where'd he go Omaha gross, baby. Cougars, <laughs> South Omaha in the house. Of course. Uh, How to get that in, sorry. Then Lane McCollum is obviously in the mix, too, a former kicker at Air Force who's playing safety right now. So, I mean, they have guys that could do it. But, again, Barrett Pickering was really good at the end of last year. I mean, he almost won them the Michigan State game. Uh, so to have him back would be such a huge, huge boost. And until he does come back, 
kicking game is going to be an adventure every night. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they have capable legs. It's just a matter of, you know, having them prepared. It's the clutch factor, yeah, too. Yeah, in that clutch factor. I mean, and also, you know, what is what is Isaac Armstrong's psyche right now? You know, you just you got thrown into the fire, and then you had the way of the world on your on your shoulders to, to tie the game and extend that to, to give your team a, a chance to, to eventually win that Colorado game, and, and you missed. They and threw you, him in the lines yeah, in there. And you miss and you missed poorly. So... I mean, hopefully he bounces back from this. But, I mean, it's a really bizarre situation when you've got Pickering, who I, I feel like the way that they prepared last week, they, they thought that they had probably would have him for the Colorado game. And then all of a sudden he re-aggravated whatever it is that he's dealing with. And then Jorgensen goes out to Colorado and, and has two kickoff, um, you know, two kickoffs. And then now he hasn't practiced all week. And so, I mean, it's, it's a dicey situation. Yeah, the, the Pickering thing, and you wonder, you know, the fact that he didn't even travel tells you how bad it is because if it was even, like, remotely close, you at least bring him out to pregame warm-ups, and they didn't See even go that is. far no, along. There's no so. roster limit, too, with that road game, too. So, I mean, they, it wasn't an issue of, like, keeping the numbers down. Like, if they didn't bring him because there was no way he was going to play. Which well, yeah, Lane, McCol- that, like Lane McCollum wasn't going to travel mm-hmm. normally. But, all right, let's move on to the offensive line. I want, I want to give some time to this as well. It's been up and down. Week one, the new starters, I thought, kind of struggled. Cameron Jurgen to the snaps. And Trent Hickson didn't have his best game against South Alabama. But then week two, Hickson and Jurgens played a lot better. Hymas has been consistent both games. He's been their best guy, I think, both weeks in a row. Uh, but that right side last week, Bo Wilson, Matt Farniak, man, of all the things, that has to be the side that's consistent. That's your multi-year starters. And those guys – have not been playing at a high level. And this week's matchup, Northern Illinois is going to shift, load the box, do a bunch of movements, and you worry a little bit about that right side. Matt Farniak struggled with Northern Illinois a couple of years ago, if you remember. Yeah, and you know, it's that's probably been one of the most disappointing things about that offensive line is uh, you know, Farniak wasn't supposed to be an issue. I mean, he was one of your guys. He's a captain, you know, a guy that they really put a lot on his plate to to get that whole unit uh, up to up to speed with Brendan Hymas and Right now, he's been a liability, along with Bo Wilson, two guys that at least had experience uh, compared to some other spots on that line that um, you wouldn't have expected to struggle the way that they have. And, you know, it brings into the debate. I know it's been brought up on on our message board before, but, um, I mean, do you think that Nebraska would prefer to have Farniak inside at guard? I mean, that was something we talked about before the season even began. Now you combine that with his struggles early on. I mean, I don't know what their options are right for the here and now, but... Uh, long term, I mean, over the second half of this year, maybe next year, do you guys see his future maybe moving inside, especially if Bryce Benhart can can pick it up? I think that's the plan right now. Um, ideally, I don't know if Benhart's ready now, but by this time next year, he is a true tackle. And Matt Farniak, I don't know if has the true quickness to be a tackle at this level. So the logical move sometime down the road is to get Benhart on the field at tackle and try to move Farniak possibly inside, Nate. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're right. Ben Hart is is a true tackle. Um, you know, whether it's left or right, I, in my opinion. Um, and and I think Farniak is more of a natural guard, uh, more of a natural interior offensive lineman. And and so, um, yeah, I think if Ben Hart was ready, I feel like they would probably make that move now and and roll with it. But you know, I just don't know if if Ben Hart is is at that level yet. And and you know what are you what are you really gaining? You know if if you're throwing somebody who is not ready yet, 
uh, in there at right tackle and moving Farniok inside, I don't know if he really gained much by doing that at this point in time. So I think they just kind of have to roll with it and, uh, you know, continue to get better. Um, you know, I, I wonder about the communication that's taking place up front, too, uh, with, with some of those pressures and things like that. You know, is, is, is Cameron Juergens, you know, calling, making the right calls or reads up front? That way everyone's on the same page. Uh, so I, I just think there's a lot of inexperience, and then you've got a couple guys maybe who aren't playing up to their potential that it's just really uh, kind of hamstringing that entire offense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. As we wrap it up, Robin, uh, quick thoughts here. Robin and Nate, uh, receivers. Is there anything Nebraska can do different um, to, to get Kenavai Noah, Mike Williams, and some other guys going this week? Well, part of it is giving uh, Adrian more time in the pocket to go through his progressions and Adrian going through those progressions better and not locking on one or two guys. But also, those receivers need to do a better job of getting open. Uh, they're, they're not finding ways to adjust to zones, and it's limiting the, the options Adrian has. Yeah, you start off with a good snap and give Adrian some time, and then uh, I think it kind of falls on the shoulders of, of those wideouts. And I'd like to see some, some fresh faces out there, too. Uh, maybe bring in some of the younger guys who might have a chance to stretch the field or, or maybe can, can give the defense some different looks. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift our discussion over to Nebraska's defense as the Blackshirts continue to stop the run well, but they gave up big plays at Colorado. We'll discuss all that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, I look back at that loss, I just think we didn't give them the respect that they deserve. I felt like practice was very loose um, that week. I felt like people were just, you know, like, oh, Sunbelt or whatever. Conference, we're going to beat them, we're going to dust them. Even when playing relaxed football, we about, we should beat them by 40. Again, every team we, we um, face this year, we're going to give them the, their respect, the respect that they deserve. Like they're the best team, so that's that's how we preparing for NIU. Uh, I just know they came in here and ended up coming away with a W. So at the end of the day, it's not too much little things. I remember they had some good guys, and at the end of the day, we lost. So at the end of the day, we try to make sure we prepare and make sure it don't happen again. All right, guys. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, we're back here on the Husker Online Show, and that was Muhammad Barry and Lamar Jackson, two guys that were on the field that day in 2017, talking about that loss to Northern Illinois. Um, but you know, let's first talk positives. I, I think when you look at this unit, guys, from Nebraska defensively, um, they've done really well against the run. I think we kind of all predicted that, but uh, they've held two opponents under 90 yards. Their season average is 86 rushing yards per game. It's somewhat flawed, though, because they count the sack yardage in there, and they've had decent sack um, numbers here the first two weeks. But to me, the biggest stat with Nebraska's rushing defense through two they have not allowed a run longer than 20 yards. 18 yards is the longest run they've given up all season, and that's got to continue, I, I think, for this defense uh, to step up. And, and this will be something Northern Illinois will test Robin this week. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's not only their ability to be stout against the run, but they're making plays. Uh, you know, that is about one of the hallmarks of Eric Jander defense, especially give, just given the style of play, you know, they have to adjust to with the offense that Nebraska runs. They need to make game-changing plays, and through two games, Nebraska has done that. They're forcing turnovers. They're making tackles for loss. They're getting to the quarterback and creating sacks, and they're changing games uh, to an extent with those plays. And, you know, outside of one bad quarter 
um, in, the, in the fourth quarter in Boulder, uh, they've been exceptional, uh, far better than I certainly would have expected them to be. And they're the reason that, I mean, <laughs> you know, if that defense didn't play like that against South Alabama, that probably would have been a much uglier game. And um, who knows what would have happened if, you know, they don't play lights out for three quarters in Colorado. So, uh, you know, I mean, the defense was what question mark coming into the year. People were asking, you know, how, how would you gauge success for the defense? You know, will they be able to keep up with the offense? Well, it's been a complete flip to the script where uh, this defense is the one carrying the load right now. Yeah, and, it's, and up front, you know, I, I think that depth has really uh, been something that's that's helped that defensive line. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of faces up there that, that have played. A lot of guys are making plays. Um, you know, and I think for the most part, too, um, especially when it comes to the ground game, the tackling has been pretty well o- outside of the, you know, the fourth quarter of the Colorado game. I, I think the tack- tackling in general has has been much improved, um, you know, especially that, that first half of the Colorado game. I feel like that may have been, you know, some of the best tackling out of a Nebraska defense. They so. still have 24 missed tackles on the season. They had 13 missed tackles at Colorado. But as you said, a lot of that happened late. Yeah, I think I feel like a lot. I feel like the majority of that happened late in the game. Um, so, you know, I, but the, that D-line has kind of been, to me, has, has kind of set the stage for the, the entire defense to, to play well. Um, you know, when you're talking about the linebackers and, and the, the secondary uh, and how they've played, uh, I think it all starts up front for that defense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. I, I think this week, Northern Illinois, they're going to come into Lincoln and they're going to try to shorten this game, grind it out, limit possessions for Nebraska. Trey Harbison is a very good running back. He had over 1,000 yards rushing last year. Trent Bowers is a grad transfer quarterback that they've brought in, can run the triple option. They've got a veteran offensive line that is um, regarded as maybe the best in the Mid-American Conference, uh, but they have not played well. Their, their running attack, the, their offense, especially running the ball, has not met the standard. I mean, tr- uh, the Harbison, the running back, um, I think is only averaging about 65 yards rushing per game over the first two. So you would have to think they're going to want to try to establish a run, and it'll be really important for Nebraska to stand up to that and not allow allow them to kind of limit the possessions for Nebraska's offense. Well, with them limiting the possessions and you know running the clock out, uh, the other side of that is that's going to limit uh, the amount of mistakes they make. And by the less mistakes they make, the less opportunities Nebraska's defense is going to have to you know capitalize on those game-changing opportunities. And so this is going to be a real test of, um, you know, obviously the, the offense has to do their part, but the defense has to find a way to kind of dictate things uh, the way they have the first two weeks. And uh, you got to be sure tackling. I remember last time Northern Illinois came in here, kind of a similar situation where they had a good running back in Jordan Huff who rushed for a buck five on 16 carries. And, you know, that was an issue where Nebraska's defense didn't, didn't answer the physicality of it. And Northern Illinois was the one punching them, and they weren't punching back. So um, Nebraska has to be the aggressor. They obviously have to be stout against the run, but they have to find um, opportunities to take advantage of um, when when they're there, You know, whether it's stripping the ball out or going after a pick. Um, I mean, those are the plays that have kept them alive for the first two weeks, and that has to continue against a Northern Illinois offense that's probably not going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, you talk about a grad transfer in Bowers, uh, you know, a quarterback there uh, coming over from Cal. He's he's more of a traditional pocket passer. I know uh, Tony Tuioti um, was was talking about how you know he's a guy that that's gonna you know want to sit in the pocket w- when they're gonna be passing and and uh, is gonna be able to deliver the football. So um, in those situations, you know they're they're gonna have to get home to the quarterback and and be disruptive. 
Um, and I think what you'd like to see ideally is is for them to be able to to get pressure without you know bringing blitzes and without kind of selling out in certain areas. Um, you know that way you can hopefully limit any type of big play like that. And there is some familiarity with this new Northern Illinois coaching staff. Thomas Hammock obviously taking over for Rod Carey, but. Um, a number of these assistants actually coached against Nebraska's coaches when they were at Northern Iowa. You have some guys that were at South Dakota State and some other Missouri Valley places, uh, most notably Eric Eadsness, uh, the offensive coordinator, a longtime offensive coordinator at SDSU, is now the offensive coordinator there. So this Nebraska staff, I think, does at least have a handle, Robin, on just kind of what direction – I think Northern Illinois wants to go and, and kind of how they'll go at them, but obviously they had to adjust what they want to do to the personnel there as well. Yeah, and again, you can only use those previous um, you know, game films so much. I mean, right now they're basing it off of essentially two games, which you know was the same issue they had against Colorado and even South Alabama to where um, you know, it's a, it's a new staff and there's just not a lot of precedent as to what this particular team and this staff is going to do. But uh, I think generally speaking, like you said, you know they're going to run the ball. They're going to try and slow things down, keep Nebraska's offense off the field, and control the tempo of the game. And if Nebraska can force three and outs and find a way to take the ball away one or two times, that could be the difference in controlling this game and coming out with a, a good win. If there's a silver lining here, I, I think it's – the fact that Northern Illinois did come into Nebraska and beat the Huskers a couple years ago because you talk to a lot of the defensive players and they, they're definitely not sleeping on Northern Illinois. They're not looking past this game, looking at, at the Big Ten Conference play. Uh, they're taking this, this game very seriously. And, and um, you know, I, I think that's, that's good to see uh, because a, a lot of times in the past, um, well, shoot, two years ago when Northern Illinois came to town, I'm sure – I mean, you heard some of the players talk about how they just thought they were going to be able to go out there and, and uh, just kind of go through the motions and, and pull out a, a win. And uh, they know for a fact that that's not going to happen this weekend. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Grace Harmon. We'll talk more about Northern Illinois and that the loss in 2017. But we'll take your questions in the mailbag as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They have been a, a magnificent Mid-American Conference team for a long time, and they've earned this. This is a wonderful moment in the history of Northern Illinois University, and good for Rod Carey and staff. Means everything to that program. No question. It's another Big Ten win. It's a, it's a game on the road where you came in to take care of business, and you brought down a big fish. You brought down the Huskers in Memorial Stadium. They'll talk about this for a lifetime. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Rob Washington, and Nate Klaus. Don't mean to bring back bad memories here, but it is Northern Illinois week, as we've talked about on the show, and the Huskies coming back to town, a trip down memory lane there. You had Les Miles as the color guy on that last broadcast with Tim Brando. Now Les Miles, as we know, is the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, but Brings us to the mailbag. Husker Online intern Grace Harmon in studio. What do you have this week to start us out in the mailbag, Grace? All right. Well, now that we're on the topic of Northern Illinois, what do you guys remember the most from that week back in 2017? I just remember the week was a disaster for, from everything. That was also the same week where Sean Eichhorst voluntarily took Nebraska off the Black Friday game against Iowa. And, and that just led to uproar on top of them just coming off a loss at Oregon. So... 15,000 Husker fans traveled to Oregon. 
and they're mad about how that game was played. They gave up 42 points in the first half. Then you come back and say, oh, by the way, we're taking us off of our traditional Black Friday game that gets more television views. Then they go out and lose the game. And then Sean Eichhorst comes in the weight room and gives an interview to the media, which was unheard of by him. He gave two interviews that week. And then the next thing you know, he's fired by Thursday. I mean, it was one hell of a week that changed the history of Nebraska football. Yeah, not only defined the season, it defined the Mike Riley era and really um, was a true low point in this program's recent history. I mean, that, the fact that, um, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the end and just how low things had really gotten that, um, you know, it's one thing to play that poorly against Oregon on the road, but then to come back and let a MAC team not only beat you, but beat you up. I mean, they were the more physical team. They were the more focused team. Uh, Nebraska looked terrible throughout that game. And, you know, they, they got outright whipped in that one. And that was one of those realization moments when you were whipped. like, they were like, wow, this this is as bad as it probably, <laughs> I, don't, I don't hopefully it can't get any worse than this. And little did we know, it certainly would. Yeah, it definitely did. It that, Yeah, you're right, Sean. I mean, that whole week was just bizarre. The, the whole you know black friday deal you know it, that came out of nowhere and and it seemed like you know you had you had icors talking about it and then you had mike riley saying well yeah it would be nice that you know to not have a short week and and like trying to justify it but you didn't you don't know it, like they made riley do that I yeah think. exactly they, they're like back me up yeah. here mike and, <laughs> and then and then dur- during the game i just remember watching the game and and kind of being just like in shock like okay when are they going to start playing? <laughs> like, like oh, they'll they'll be able to they'll, they'll you know. Well, they turn drove it down on. the field easily. Then yeah. they throw a pick six on exactly. the opening drive. Yeah, and I was just kind of waiting for the tide to turn, and it just <laughs> never really did. And um, and then when that impromptu um, I coursed press conference or whatever at the like after the game, that's when you knew stuff was like Moving. there was a lot of stuff going on because. That was a total panic move on his part. I mean, that was, that's when that was the big, like the really big, like warning sign, red light, like okay, like he must have got some body here. language from Hank Bounds and not Ronnie Green, because Ronnie Green wasn't even involved. Really, it was all Hank Bounds that orchestrated the move. Because a week before that, Ronnie Green gave Sean Icors a public, um, you know, endorsement as far as the job he was doing. So. Nonetheless, what do you got next, Grace? All right. Well, out of all the challenges that this team has faced so far this season, what's the biggest concern? Uh, I think the upfront play on the offensive line. I mean, and for me, it's the right side of the line. I, I thought with two veterans coming back, Bo Wilson, Matt Farniak, that would be a more consistent side. And it just hasn't been um, up to the level that you would expect for two guys that have been multi-year starters yeah it's offensive line for me by pretty wide margin if, if that unit plays better nebraska is significantly better in all phases offensively um but next layer to that is you know they need adrian martinez to be better they need him to be sharper and more consistent uh, you know play with a little more authority and he took a good step in that direction at colorado compared to week one but you know, there's still those moments where, you know, Adrian didn't look like himself and he didn't look like the guy that was supposed to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And so um, they need more high-level consistency out of Adrian. But, uh, again, I think that starts if he can get help with the running game, he can get better pass protection, uh, a lot of those issues he's having will solve themselves. Yeah, it, for me, it, everything starts up front. And that's 
there's been it's been very inconsistent. You know, I, I think as far as the running game goes, there hasn't been a whole lot of holes. As far as pass protection goes, you know, I, I think Adrian's under a lot of pressure. The snaps have been poor. I mean, I just think that it's it's been just really really bad right now, and and I feel like that's kind of thrown everything out of whack. That's and it, I think it's thrown Adrian out of whack, uh, especially with with some of the snaps and. Um, you know, I think that just kind of that gets you, that starts you off, starts every play off in a, in a bad spot. All right. Well, given that Frost said his defense looked aghast this past Saturday, does strength and conditioning need to put any more emphasis on endurance training? I don't know if it's necessarily that. I mean, we, I think you just they weren't getting stops. They were on the field 46 plays for 380 yards in the in the second half. I believe it was 253 in the fourth quarter. So it, it, it wasn't endurance more than just discipline, and the offense wasn't doing their end of the bargain, which then gave the defense that many more plays. 46 plays over 15 minutes of time of possession, that's all it was. I mean, that is a ton of plays. I would add another word there if I could, but it's a ton of plays. Yeah, I don't I don't care what Scott Frost says about altitude not being an It factor. was a factor. It is it's a undeniable. factor. I've experienced it multiple times that when you go up to a significant rise in elevation and altitude, it changes the way that your body responds. You can't breathe as easy, easily. It feels like you can't take a deep enough breath. And uh, especially when you add in the workload they had in the second half, I mean, it is natural human response to get tired. And so, you know, you can do this tough guy thing about how the altitude is not a factor. It is. And the time and of it, possession it was on Saturday. So it was essentially like they, they did 15 additional wind sprints in the same amount of time as the first half because it was time of possession was identical for both halves. But Colorado ran about 15 or 14 more plays. So you add that many more wind sprints and that altitude, that, that does make a difference. Well, and then you factor in this. The offense did not bail the defense out uh, by sustaining any type of drive in that second half. And you, you have a number of defensive starters that are on special teams too. So a lot of those guys weren't getting any breaks hardly. Um, you know, it, it, so I think that all compounded to, uh, to a lot of the breakdowns in the, in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter. All right, with all the issues at Kicker so far this season, do you guys have any fun or random tryout stories over your time in Nebraska? So I got one that I remember. there In 2000, I want to say the last year of Solich, 02, 03, right around that time, during the spring, a female member of the track squad, a sprinter, she went through spring practice as a kicker. And she went through the whole spring. And now, obviously, she didn't win the job. I mean, they had Josh Brown and Sandra DeAngelis. And I mean, they had some guys on the roster, David Dykes. They already had kicker figured out. But there was a, a female kicker um, that played and went through spring ball. And to my knowledge, she is the only female that's gone through and played with the Nebraska football team. Hmm. I have one from personal experience where in 2006, I was a senior, uh, super senior, at the University of Nebraska. And I uh, was a stringer for the Omaha World Herald. And uh, the Nebraska basketball team held a, a, a tryout for a walk-on spot, and uh, my sports editor called me up and said, hey, you're a student, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you think you're in shape? And I'm like, hmm, kind of, I mean, <laughs> relatively. And he's like, hey, you want to go do one of these tryouts and just write about your experience? And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. So I go there, and I sign the waiver or whatever. And so to put it in perspective, like I hadn't played basketball in a long time, probably since high school. I mean, like as far as like real basketball. So I'm wearing like running shoes with like one pair of socks, like not even basketball socks. 
and like sitting there trying to warm up and it was like a disaster situation from the very beginning like kira hardy remember the women's basketball player she was in the stands watching us all warm up and i'm like missing layups and like dribbling it was terrible and so uh, the thing finally gets going and, uh, it was brutal. Like it was just nonstop conditioning work and like, um, agility drills and all that stuff. We didn't even have a basketball for like the first half of it. Uh, long story short, I quit halfway through, I had a huge blister on my foot, uh, and got a hell of a story, got a great story out of it though. Nate. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have a personal story like that, but I, I would probably go, I mean, one thing that sticks out to me was uh, one of the walk-on tryouts that that took place in during the Callahan era. Um, there was I don't know probably a group of about 20, 25 guys, uh, none of which had any business playing Division One football. And one of the one of the worst of the group, um, you know, after they politely told him, you know, we'll be in touch and and uh, we'll let you know what you know who uh, you know if we're going to take anybody or whatever. One of the guys uh, just kept showing up every day for like an entire week. Uh, tried to go to the, <laughs> tried to go down to the the locker room and, and get get stuff from from Jay Terry, the equipment manager, and everything. And finally, they uh, I think they they finally just told him, "Hey, look, you're you're never going to play." <laughs> drew here. a hard line. Yeah, drew a hard line. But yeah, that was that was kind of an awkward moment for sure. All right, Grace. Well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. Um, when we come back, we're going to close the show with some recruiting talk. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Line Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, they're going to be physical up front. You know, their head coach is former running back uh, coach, so he wants to run the football. They want to control the clock. They did a really good job against Utah uh, early on. They got up on, on Utah. They did a really good job in the run game, I thought. Against uh, Illinois State, they did a good job in terms of getting real big and trying to run the football. And their running back, he does a really good job of just staying downhill and on track. So we got to be great tacklers up front. And then, you know, they have four returning starters that played for them. And they have a grad transfer that also played a lot of snaps from the school that he previously came from. So you got five guys that have a lot of reps and experience. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. By the way, that was Tony Tuioti talking about the defensive line. Does he just have year-round coach's voice, Nate? When yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's kind of a permanent feature, at least for about nine months out of the season. You got seven kids at home and, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, a group of players to manage. I'm sure you're doing a lot of coaching both um, in the building and out of the building. But let's talk recruiting, Nate. Nebraska was in Colorado uh, obviously last weekend game didn't go the way they wanted it was a huge opportunity I mean I still think they can benefit off that locally with what recruits saw there as far as the number of fans and the support for the program what kind of damage did Nebraska do as far as getting on the road Friday night in Colorado last week well yeah first of all that's a question that a lot of people have been asking me is well does the way the Colorado game turned out hurt Nebraska I don't think it does I mean it wasn't like they went out there and and got blown out or anything and and I think for a lot of the kids that were there actually at the game as as uh you know uh visiting for Colorado uh they saw firsthand you know the the fan base and and they saw you know at least three really good quarters that Nebraska played so uh, I don't think it hurts the Huskers at all one of the guys that was at the game uh was a player that that both Barrett Root and uh offensive line coach Greg Austin went to go see the night before and that's Trey Zoon the 2021 Rivals 250 offensive tackle, uh, who was oddly enough in Nebraska visiting for their home opener uh, a couple weeks ago. And like I mentioned last week on the show, his 
sister is a true freshman on the volleyball team. She was an All-American uh, middle uh, and uh, outside hitter. So, um, you know, there's there's some ties there. They're going very, very hard after him. And, uh, and I know they were also at uh, Valor Christian there in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, checking out Gavin Sachuk, who's actually a 2022 uh, athlete, wide receiver, cornerback, uh, about 5'11", 165, arguably the the fastest player uh at least the fastest football player in the state of Colorado as just a sophomore ha- actually had a chance to watch him in person last year when we w- went out to watch Luke McCaffrey uh and as a freshman I mean it was evident that this kid is is a big time big time player um you know j- just his speed is is on a whole nother level so uh they did take advantage of being able to to be out in the state of Colorado last week you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Now let's talk official visits. Um, Nebraska has not had any, any since June as the season opener was at 11 a.m. Um, they obviously had a, a group of guys come in um, over the spring and summer. Um, but now um, you're into the meat of the schedule, a night game. Um, to date right now, Nebraska, what Nate has four coming in this week. And then for Ohio State, tentatively, it could be about ten. Yeah, 10 that we've confirmed so far. You know, obviously that's that's always kind of in flux. Um, you know, lock and change. There's There could be additions. There could be, um, you know, guys that, that change plans, especially if the game doesn't end up being a night game. You know, that could definitely impact some travel schedules there. But uh, for sure, we're going to see double-digit official visitors in town for the Ohio State game. And right now, as of the taping of this show, we've been able to confirm four that will be in for the Northern Illinois uh, night game this weekend and and uh you know I, I think that uh you know you start with a couple guys from florida jaquan randolph is a 6'1 185 pound athlete could play wide receiver could play defensive back uh he's from the lakeland um uh florida area and and is a guy that they've been on for a very long time he's got he's got a you know a florida offer from the as far as the in-state schools go and then a, a handful of uh, you know offers from out-of-state schools uh, so I, I think that he's a guy that's very high on Nebraska. We, we'll see what happens if his visit goes well this weekend. And then Henry Gray is a four-star cornerback um, out of uh, Miami Central that's going to be taking his visit this weekend. And this is kind of one that came out of the blue here as far as um, you know his overall interest level in Nebraska because uh, he was originally a Miami commit. And then here lately uh, there's been a lot of chatter about him possibly – uh, pulling the trigger for or being very close to, to pulling the trigger for one of Michigan, Ohio State, or Florida. Uh, Good evening. Those are kind of those are kind of his uh, you know his top schools right there. So um, you know I think for Nebraska to get a visit from him this weekend uh, is a pretty big deal, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then you have defensive end Tuli Tui Tui Pelotu. Uh, no relation. No, yeah, <laughs> no, and uh, you know he's six three, two forty five, uh, defensive lineman out of Lawndale, California. And this is a guy that Coach Tui, Tony Tuioti has been on for an awful long time. Uh, has you know fifteen plus offers, mostly from the Pac ten. Uh, but uh, and, and that's where his the majority of his interest level is in, in Oregon and Utah and, and USC, UCLA. But he wants to come out to Nebraska and see what it's all about. He's been hearing an awful lot uh, from you know Coach Chenander and, and Tuioti about everything that Nebraska has going on and, and what it's like out here. And he's extremely interested. Uh, and he told me not too long ago that he'd like to have a decision made sooner rather than later. 
Um, you know, and, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then Reagan Terry, the outside linebacker out of Arizona, uh, took an unofficial visit in uh, June and the six four, two twenty five, 225 kind of, he kind of has that, that build, uh, that Nebraska, you know, needs to add and continue to add at that outside linebacker position. He plays primarily defensive end for his high school, uh, but he could be a tremendous pass rushing outside linebacker, uh, in, in Shenander's three, four defense. So, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the main group that's coming in this weekend. And I know Nate, the, the recruiting board always changes, but as far as the total number, I mean, is it going to be pretty much 20? when you kind of look at it today yeah I, the way this this staff you know kind of operates I, I i don't know if we'll ever really see them have a year where it's you know a super small well, you got a whole two or three for transfers in that 25 too, yeah so it might be 22 23 can, I, I can think you sign 28 though with the oversign rule or is 25 the max when, when you could go 28 uh, but it, it all depends on how many you know initials you have every year. I, I think right now it's probably safe to say that this class will be between 22 and, and 25, somewhere in that range. You know, and, and there's there's going to be a lot, um, you know, a lot of a lot of questions as far as you know, are there going to be anybody that that transfers out or you know of the program? Are there going to be any spots that kind of open up late uh, that that they could add to this class? But I think it's pretty safe to say it's going to be at least 22 and and all the way up to. Now can, a full boat. Can you go over your initials to reach 88 or are you required to stay at your 25 initials no matter what? 25 is the max. No matter what. Yep. So anytime it's over, it's because of back counting. Yep. So, yeah, it is the math can be confusing on recruiting scholarships and things. And, you know, the last two years, Nebraska's been able to count back. Well, now they have no none. They took 30 last year. So they used five count backs plus 25 initials. They are at now just 25 initials. And that will probably be the number for a long time. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, the, the way the staff operates, you know, they're they're all about maximizing the roster. And, and they've done a good job of, of kind of flipping this roster in a very short amount of time. And, uh, and they're going to continue to do so. And, and I think they're pretty upfront with, with the guys on the team, too, you know, as far as not only are they wanting to recruit players that are better than the ones that they already have on a consistent basis, just like every other great uh, college football program does in the country, uh, but also about, you know, current players kind of upholding, you know, their, their standards and, and kind of, you know, making sure that, that they're, um, you know, doing what they need to do uh, and pulling their own weight too. So, um, you know, I, I think that we're always going to see the staff kind of uh, really maximize those numbers each and every recruiting class. All right, it'll be Nebraska, Northern Illinois. It's a 7 o'clock game here on Saturday night, FS1 national television broadcast as well. We'll have you covered all the way up to kickoff and after uh, with full coverage uh, not only of the game but the recruiting weekend as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 